0: What's up, everybody? This is the Barrett Lowe Show, episode two. Gonna keep talking about those NBA playoffs. That's probably gonna be the majority of what I talk about while they're going on. That's what's on my mind. Figure something else to talk about once it's done. But yeah, I just finished watching that Jazz Nuggets game, and wasn't a pretty game, but that's how game sevens go. First thing I noticed was Jazz finally started sending a few double teams at Jamal Murray, not let him beat them by themselves again. And... Put they had to put the balls in in the hands of guys like Michael Porter Jr. Make him make some passes, and that didn't go as well when when he had the ball in those situations. He had a few turnovers. He's not really able to think the game to make great passes. yet. he's still basically a rookie. But from it was just defense on both sides for the Jazz. I mean, when when you get game, they're not built to have game seven defense against them because they're just a one star team on offense and. Even outside of Donovan Mitchell, the role players aren't really good offensive players. you got Royce O'Neal, who I like, but if you don't have four really capable scorers around him, it can be a bit of a liability because all he can really do on offense is hit an open three. He can like make layups at the rim. He's, he's explosive a little bit, but he's not really going to make anything happen on offense. Joe Angles just did not have a good series at all. He just... Wasn't really looking to shoot the shots he normally takes. I mean, he would get to the rim a few times and he just didn't make the right read. Like, I remember there was one time he got by his man, got to the rim, he had like an easy scoop, and the defender, was the center, I think Miles Plumley, was sent back on Gobert. Instead of just scooping up for a layup, he tries to pass it to Gobert and it gets, I think, I think it gets like tipped out of bounds or Gobert wasn't able to handle it when he should have just gone up and let Gobert get the rebound, if anything. But for Gobert, even though they lost, I think he proved that he probably that they should the Jazz should definitely give him the max. He he was basic, aside from Don Mitchell he had a pretty good game all think good thing all things considered, if you don't compare it to his previous games. Just what he had didn't have great numbers, Donald Mitchell, but if you watch with the way they were playing him, he did pretty well, especially down the stretch in the third quarter bringing them back. But the biggest factor was Rudy Gobert. And he showed that he can be an impact player in the playoffs in big games. When you might might previously think that he's just a guy that takes up that can really defend the rim during the regular season, but when it gets to big games, a lot a lot of what people say is that like centers aren't really important. But he was able to body a guy like Jokic who can't really jump. He's not really able to bang down low. And Gobert has added that I don't think a couple of years ago he was able to have the strong dunks that he was having today, finishing through contact, grabbing great rebounds to traffic, tipping it out to his teammates. He was, he was a beast on both sides. He's a bit of a head case. He freaks out on the refs when he gets gets hit, hit at all. But, I mean, they, they need to keep him at this point because the Jazz just have not been able to build a great team around them. Around, I guess you could say, those two star players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. If Bogdanovich was healthy, I would have to think that they would win that series because they would probably have enough then because... As it is now, they have basically six players that can play. Their starting lineup, and Jordan Clark's not off the bench. The two other guys that they had to put in for seven minutes, they both, I think, had minus eight, plus minus. It was George Niang and Juwan Morgan. Juwan Morgan, who they say he's 6'8". I don't even think he's that. They were putting him on centers. They put him on Jokic. Jokic just spin, flip, spin dunk, no problem. Putting those two guys, Having to put those guys, two guys in was the difference in the game. The Nuggets don't have any guys like that where you just put them out there and it's like you've got to hope that they can just hold on for a few minutes to give some guys some rest. The Nuggets have all guys who can make a positive impact, who do. Who do. Gary Harris had a terrible game, but I mean, he's a starting level player. He's been for mostly his whole career. And I think that's the problem with the Jazz. I mean, you can understand having their one of their top, probably four, top four or five players, a guy can average 20 a game if he goes down that they might not be able to win a series but you have to at least have as a, as a front office you have to be able to put more than seven playable guys in a playoff series together on a team if they just had one of the guys off the Nuggets bench on their team or take it from any one of the good teams in the league the Raptors well I know they're not playing well in the second round now and they're probably about to get knocked out that the pro their problem is in depth. They have thirteen guys that you can put out there and they can play. They're not going to be the reason why you lose. Jazz just have no options. You throw George's kneeing out there. All he's good for is a wide open corner three in the first or second quarter. But he's getting he's getting cooked on defense. Jawan Morgan. I don't know what he's supposed to give you. He went one one of four from the free throw line. He's playing kind of center. But so he's like six seven. He looks like a point guard. I don't know what he is, but. They just they just don't have the talent on their team. From the front office, you, I understand making the moves to try and get not, as much high level players as you can. They had, on paper, at least a really good starting lineup when everyone's healthy: Ingles, Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, and Gobert. But you have to, so you're not gonna be able to get real like mid level players like 10 million a guy, 10 million a year role players. But they have to at least be able to find. Good G League players, good like borderline players that the great franchises do. The Warriors always seem to have some like ninth, tenth man that you put him in there, and he looks really good in their system. Georges Niang, you put him out there like, okay, he can hit a occasional corner three, but he can't hold his own on defense. Jawan Morgan, like, what do you put him out there thinking he's gonna do? They just have to be able to. That's their problem. The front office needs to do a better job in finding just NBA players. That that they could have at their seventh and eighth spot, and if I'm Donovan Mitchell right now, I mean it's only his third year, but the team around him has arguably gone—I wouldn't say it's gone worse from this year, but from his first year, it hasn't gotten much better. And they have—they've made the moves to get the high-level talent, but it's almost more of a problem because because they've been able to get the high-level talent. The hard part as the front office that's the hard part is the front office, but if you're a GM and you're not able to just find out finds a decent guy couple guys off the bench to be able to put in, I don't know how much trust I have in you if you if you're having Jawan Mor- Morgan as your seventh best mass- best player on your roster, you have to have some decent role players. And when they made the Conley trade, it looked like a good trade. They gave, they only gave up I think Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen. Maybe one more player I'm not thinking of right now. But right now, those guys, that depth seemed like it would help, especially the way Mike Conley played. I think it was 2 of 13, 2 of 16. Could not hit one. Of his patented right-handed floater. Grayson Allen, I don't know why they never gave him a shot. I feel like he would have fit in well with this team. But, yeah, that, that front, they're going to have to make some moves there for the Jazz. I don't think they need to do anything super—I mean, at this point— Mike Conley, rough season, 2 of 13 in Game 7. I don't know if he's tradable. I would want to upgrade from him. I would want to move off of him at this point, but I don't think anyone's giving anything up for him, so I think you just kind of have to run it back with the guys you have. Hope that Bogdanovich comes back, and in the playoffs that solves everything, even though in the regular season they were just a middling Western playoff team with him in there. Really, I think all you can do is just do better at filling out those those spots off the bench because you can't just have six playable guys in the playoffs. But for the Nuggets now, them moving on to the to the Clippers, I think they match up horribly. I'm gonna I'm still a fan, so I'm gonna be rooting for them. But I just don't know who who's gonna guard Kawhi. Jeremy Grant, I like Jeremy Grant, and I think that's a decent matchup for Kawhi. And then you have Torrey Craig, who's a decent matchup. For Paul George then besides that like Michael Porter Jr. you're gonna put him out there with those guys I don't know how that's gonna go I mean and Jamal Murray he had a great series against the Jazz because Mike Conley is not anywhere near the defender he was he's tilled off probably earlier than most people would expect but the Clippers if Patrick Beverly comes back healthy they are gonna be able to put him on him whenever anyone gets going on that team you put Kawhi, Paul George on him, and Paul George ain't, ain't clapping nothing. But Jokic is going to have to have that game seven pretty much every game against the Clippers, or at least four times against the Clippers for them to have a chance because that was, that was a big game for Jokic. He's building a pretty good playoff resume. He almost took them to the conference finals last year. Had Pretty sure he had a big game seven in the first round last year against the Spurs. He's showing that he's a he's a. Player that can perform the playoffs in as a center that he's that he's working out there. Both the centers in that Jazz Nuggets game worked well. But if if I had to guess, I'm saying the Clippers probably win that one. And you can never you can never guess with the Clippers because they're a pretty drum, dramatic team. They have pretty they have very little chemistry, but just talent wise, all of the wings they have, Marcus Morris off the bench too, all of the talent they have. And just the Nuggets lack the lack of two-way wings. They have Craig and and Jeremy Grant, who can defend a little, but neither one's giving you much on offense to go back at it. So I'm thinking the Clippers will have that series pretty easily. That'll be a pretty good matchup for them. I think, if anything, the Jazz might have been a tougher matchup for them, even though, like I said, they only have six players. But Paul George, I'm pretty sure he still has nightmares about Joe Ingles. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they would probably just put Kawhi on him, and it might be just wraps for that. So I don't. Maybe, maybe I'm tripping a little bit. Nuggets having multiple guys that could that could really have a good game. That's probably a tougher matchup. It's just their defense. It, it's gotten better. They, they defended well in Game Seven, but it's going to be a different monster when you got to go up against just all really good players on the Clippers. I mean, they're not putting no nope scrubs out there. So Yeah, I would say probably Clippers in six, uh, comp- and not a very competitive six, like the Nuggets just catch them when they're having one of their bad chemistry games, Doc Rivers refuses to call a timeout when they're going on a run, and they just squeak by a couple games and the Clippers will probably blow them out four times, but I'll be ruined the whole time for the Nuggets to win and for me to be wrong, so what do I know? So yeah, now I'm just thinking about the Bucks game, that was the first one, so I'm not really going in any type of order here, but... Honestly, for what I was expecting with that game, but Eric Bledsoe out. On as a Bucks fan, for a loss, that's not as concerning a loss as it could have been. There was nothing in that game that really worries me down the stretch too much, except for if Jimmy Baller is going to play like that, it might be a tough time. But I'm the Giannis free throw thing. That has been a thing. He, he was not hitting his free throws, I'm pretty sure, last year against the Raptors in the playoffs. So that's a worry. You could see it in a, that it was in his head by the, by the fourth quarter, that he was, like, shaking his head, that he just wants it really bad. And he's just – he's in his head w- with his jumpers, too. He's not a, he's not a very good shooter. But in the, at the beginning, he hit a couple threes, and he was shooting it with confidence, no hesitation. And you could tell by the end he, when he was trying to shoot th- – when he was pulling up for a three, it was more of a hesitation. Like, he knew he – should probably try and get to the rack. He just doesn't have the confidence in his shot. And once it starts missing, it's in his head. And that's Man, he just went 4 of 12, and that was a big difference in the game. But all that being said, Eric Bledsoe's out, who I said in the last pod, that I think even though he has not been a good playoff player, that he's going to be key for that series. Because I said hey, he's a good matchup for Dragic. I think he could lock him up. And what happened? Dragic had a great game, no Bledsoe. And the guards that the Bucks have coming off their bench, they just not, DiVincenzo has not been playing. He's been playing terrible since the bubble. He didn't play as horrible. He didn't have like crazy terrible passes or shots against against the Heat game one, but but he he smoked a layup on a rebound. He got he just hasn't been an impact at all, a positive impact. So the Bucks are gonna need blood so bad. But if they get him back, I'm confident seeing Chris Middleton with zero zero free throws. I mean, yeah, that's one of that's one of the things as a fan I like about Chris Middleton. He has he's has zero free throws, and he's still able to score 28 points on 50% shooting because as a fan, I appreciate that. When I watch him play, he's not looking for fouls. That's something that I don't like watching as a fan. I don't like watching James Harden flail for calls or, or just people flopping when there's nothing there or just searching for fouls when they go to the basket instead of just trying to score. K-Mitty, that's his butt. As just a player, and just watching him as a player in the playoffs, he needs to be able to draw fouls. There was one time on the way, he gave it to him in the post, with the padded, me- I shouldn't say padded, but what he does, he hits him with a jad, pump fake, got Duncan Robinson in the air, and then he passes it out. And you see Mike Budenholzer screaming screaming at him like, I'm, I do not I can't read lips, but I'm pretty positive what he said was, was basically, you got to shoot that when you get your man in the air. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like everyone in the NBA today, get a man in the air, you, you, just, go, you just go up, make sure you get hit, and then you'll get to the free throw line. He just didn't do that because it's just that's, and as a player, he's just not looking to draw fouls. And that's him always. Like he doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. That's his weakness as a player. I always I look at the box scores and he'll have like 25, gets the free throw twice. And most players, if you're scoring 25 points, like. 8 of them are free throws. You saw Jason Tatum. I don't know how many free throws he yet. He had at least 8. Probably had 10. He had 34 points. That's what gets you a consistent score. And that's why we see there's some random games with Chris Middleton where he puts up 10, 8. Because he doesn't have that consistent 6 to 8 points a game from the free throw line. That can just boost him. So in a game like that where he had 28, I, I thought if he had just sold the content. There was a couple times he went to the rim where I thought he got hit. But if he... And he missed, and if he was just able to sell the call, and those, get the and go up into him on the wing, he probably get six more points, and that would have been a difference. But after Coach Coach Bud yelled at him like that, you could see that he that he knew like that's something in his mind because the next possession or the next couple of possessions, he pulls up for three, just pump fakes, and a bio, he just stands straight up, but you could see it's in his ear like he wants to get that back, he wants to get some in the air and get the foul call. He just pump fakes. Bam stays straight up, and he just like flails into him, throws it off the side of the backboard, wants the call, but it wasn't a foul. He was just trying to get that back. But all in all, the the Bucks they couldn't they couldn't grab key rebounds down the stretch. Brook Lopez had one rebound. Uh, he's a he usually does not get like hardly any rebounds. I know Lakers fans were always saying stuff about that when he was with them. They said big man doesn't grab rebounds. Usually it's overrated to me because on offense, he's out on the perimeter shooting threes. He's not really in there that much. And on defense, he boxes out and lets other guys get the rebound. So I don't think the re- rebounding number is really that big of a deal. Westbrook can get 10 rebounds, but if five of them are just everyone boxing out and letting him grab it, what's the big deal? But Brook Lopez one rebound, and there were times where the ball was just getting batted up in the air around him in the paint, and he just wasn't able to grab it. And none of the Bucks were, and then Pete would just be able, to, were just able to get second possessions. But with the free throws for the Bucks, Eric Bledsoe not playing, and Drogic having a good game. And result, I'm thinking Bledsoe comes back. Drogic's points come down. The Bucks have a little more of a plan for Jimmy Butler, and I'm, I'm more confident. I'm more confident after that game. He, as crazy as it sounds, they just lost. I shouldn't be. Maybe I shouldn't be more confident, but I'm more confident than you would think after a loss. I, I think the Bucks are winning this in probably seven now, maybe six. It depends if so when Bloodsilk comes back though. If it's, he has to come back in game two, that might be tough. Even though I'm not a big So fan, I just think for that matchup, we he's needed. Uh, what else we got here? Who else played? Oh yeah, Celtics Raptors. Siakam's just not a number one option. The Raptors just don't have the wings to guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's really what it comes down to. Siakam, he's a great number two, but you saw it even as a number two last year. He, he was a little bit younger. He wasn't the player he is now. Whatever, but go back watch that game seven against the Sixers, that big game. He was airballing threes. He just did not want the ball. And in the playoffs, he just doesn't have. He just doesn't have the offensive arsenal to to be that guy to go to. <laughs> See stuff on Twitter. All he has in offense is a spin move and he's got a tiny bit more to his bag. He can play he could play better than he's playing now. He's gonna I think he's gonna have a much better game, game three, but he doesn't have it in him to to be the best player in a game seven game series and and win against a really good team. And if the Celtics end up getting the heat, the Celtics are, right now, they're looking like they could definitely get to the finals. I think I would definitely take them in that series. Cornet would come back especially. For the Celtics, after that game, you got to feel like maybe you could sweep them. I don't think they will. I think it'd be maybe even a six-game series because the, I just think the Raptors still have a great coach, championship pride, all that. I think they just got a little bit, little bit of that heart left in them. Even though they need Kawhi to get back to the championship, they're not, they're not able to do it without him on the wing. But I think they have enough to make it somewhat competitive. But if I'm a Celtics fan what he he was two of fourteen at one point. He had a couple key buckets at the, at the end. But let's see what it, let's see what he finished with. Okay, six of eighteen. So we had a few at the end, but all in all, six and eighteen on the night. One of eight from three. I'm thinking he's not shooting one of eight from three again. And see, Gene Brown only had sixteen points too. Tice with with three. Like their players did not have their best games. So I'm think, if I'm a if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm thinking we've been able to win first two games. No one went crazy. Like no one had a fifty point game. No one had to play out of their mind. Some people put our second best player played a pretty bad game for the most part in game two. Still able to win it. I'm feeling pretty confident. Even after Ananobi oh, an had a twenty point game, might not see that again from him. Even though he's a good player, twenty is not he's not really a twenty point per game guy. And, I mean, he matches up well on defense. For he's, he's a good person to throw on Tatum or Brown, but no one else on their team is. Norman Powell is too, too small. They have no other small forward to throw at him, And that's just basically what this series comes down to. They just don't have the guys to guard the wings. And in today's NBA, really in every NBA, look back at the best teams, Michael Jordan, best players ever, Kobe Bryant. Two-way wing, that's what you want. And having being be able to have two of them, and when Hayward comes back three of them, that's that creates problems for teams that don't have that, for teams like teams like the blank it out for a second teams like the Raptors. So I'm thinking that game that series will go five or six, but the Celtics will definitely have that one. And if they get the Bucks, I don't think that's a good matchup for them. But if they get the Heat, I'm gonna have them in the finals. But let's get to the Thunder and Rockets. Game seven coming up, man. That was an entertaining game. CP3. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, some people have been too high on him before Steph Curry came around. Given that he was already one of the best point guards of all time, but now he's he's become underrated. He's better than Westbrook. I said it before. He's the best point guard in the league. I said this going into the playoffs, and by that. I don't mean the people that are technically point listed at point guards. I mean, like, true point guards that are healthy right now. I'm not talking LeBron. He doesn't guard point guards. He's always been a point guard on offense, but we're not, I'm not counting him as a point guard. I'm talking, like, the true official point guards, like Westbrook's a point guard. Damian Lillard's a point guard. Um, Kemba Walker. Whoever else you want to throw out there is the best point guards that are in the bubble healthy right now. And he's the best of them. I'm taking him over Dame. Sorry. All around, you saw the way he took over that game. Two key steals at the end, brought it back. Threw it. it. was one of the times he like threw it to Shea. Shea threw it off like Eric Gordon's face, or he threw it off Harden's hand. And got tipped off Eric Gordon's face. Shea Gilgis. He's he's not he's uh he's struggling a little bit in these big games, but that's to be expected. It's the second year. He's not really been here yet. He needs a guy like a Chris Paul and. When it's going well for them, Chris Paul is hooping. He's dancing on Robert Covington at the three-point line, slapping him in the butt. having me hype and staring down James Harden at the free throw line. He's got that mentality that you want, that you just you just like to see. There's every, but then there's there's things he does that'll get me mad too. Or I'm not really invested enough to get mad. But you know what I'm saying. Like when even after the game. He's, he just keeps saying, all we want is a chance. We got to game seven. We got a chance. All we wanted was, all we got needed is a chance. Now we hear we got a chance. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, you are the underdog, but you're not, like, the eighth seed. I feel like you should want to win. I feel like you should want, you shouldn't just, he said, like, he said in the post-game interview, you know, like, the dumb and dumber thing, so you're saying we got a chance. And that was, and the reference was from, like, the girl was like, Maybe once in a million years. So like, so what? That's what I think when I say that and when I hear that. I'm like, shouldn't you like, even if you're the underdog a little bit, you're not expected to win. Some people picked you. I feel like you should be expecting to win. I mean, mean, maybe I'm just nitpicking, but that was just a little weird to me. And just sometimes he's just an asshole, kicking Curry off the court and stuff. And he's just like, and he just pisses his teammates off for no reason sometimes, or not no reason, but he just. He just only has one gear. And when it's going well, you love to see it. And when it's not, I think that's when it gets on people's nerves. But for the Thunder... Yeah, that's who you want right now. He's giving you a chance for sure. I'm still not loving the way he's setting his teammates up for for his ability. He's still setting people up. He's still running the offense great. Getting the ball in people's hands. But I'm just like... Shaking my head every time he drives through him and kicks out to Lou Dort for wide open three. Like the announcers say, he's open for a reason. I don't think that's a good look. It, he made two of six, so I mean, it worked, but when he goes in, I'm just shocked. And when it misses, I'm not surprised at all. I have no confidence in making it. I think he was like 21% on the year. I, If I'm the Rockets, I'm not guarding him at all out there. If I'm the Thunder, I'm using him as a screener to get other people open. I'm having him cut, but I'm not giving him the ball for for threes unless it's last resort you've tried getting everyone else open and they just covered it perfectly but besides for that from the Thunder another takeaway I had was Well, I was thinking about when I was thinking before the bubble some things I was thinking was one without fans I think we're going to have some guys just be able to completely go off because once they get in the zone there's nothing to really get them out of it there's no fan yelling something that gets in their head it's just the big game of basketball, and it's it's less pickup after seeing it than I thought, but I thought it was going to be like pickup where you watch NBA players pick up. They, they go have games where they don't miss, or I don't watch all their games, so I don't know how much, but you figure that, or you just watch them in the gym. They just don't miss, so I thought it was going to be more similar to that. But another thought I had coming into the bubble was that these young players, after having months off, they're gonna come back and basically look like rookies are gonna look like second year players, second years, third years. Some players that's not really been as true as I thought. But Basley, I think, is one of the big ones where that's pretty true. I don't I don't know his numbers for the whole thing. I don't think they're super great. But I think that's because he's been playing garbage time as well and he's just been trying to run it run the offense and he's lowered his numbers there. But just watching him I think his jumper's gotten better and I'm thinking he's gonna probably be a really good player for them. He's long as hell, no pause. Gets to the rim. He's got a handle. I trust him shooting it. He draws fouls. He makes good passes, good decisions. He can defend. He's athletic. He's gonna be a problem, man. He's a gr- good player for them off the bench now. You heard, and you heard for another player off the bench. You heard CP three talking about post game. Yeah, Dennis shooter's a dog. I love, I love playing with him, man. He didn't have a great shooting game. Missed some shots. Not always the best decision maker, but I agree. He, he wanted it down the stretch. He made a key layup for them going to the rim when, when they were having fast break opportunities and P.J. Tucker was just cutting them all off. It was one where CP3 got the steal, kicked it back to Shea, and, and well, P.J. Tucker stepped up to Chris Paul, passed to Shea, she did, and then I think P.J. Tucker stepped up, then someone else came in the picture, and then, for whatever reason, some someone came to Shady. He had to dish it back to Chris to Stephen Adams. And he just stepped up, got in his face, and forced Stephen Adams to miss a layup in a three-on-two situation. He was just cutting off all those fast break layups. But in the key time, Dennis Shrew was be able to get by all that and gets the rim for a layup. Ah, but yeah, PJ Tucker had a pretty great game defensively, even though one of those charges they called. He was falling back before he even got hit, but gotta sell it sometimes. Oh, what else was there? Hmm. Ah, oh, we go. We gotta go about. We gotta talk about Westbrook. Westbrook. It's pretty much to to be expected at this point. Um, you see that pretty much every big game from him. I don't even think it's as much like choking mentally as is. I don't think he's just as great of a player as his numbers say he is generally. I think he's able to just get by and being able to outrun everybody during the regular season. He's in crazy shape. He's just faster, jumps higher. But when it comes down to the playoffs when everyone's playing their hardest, teams are locked in, people are able to get back. He's still generally... good player in the playoffs but it's just not going to be as effective and especially in the big game everyone's doing whatever they can to get back cut it off he's just not as he's not a guy it's like pete pascal siakam not the same thing but i mean not to the same level but if you don't have if you don't have good like one-on-one moves when it's going to come down to that in big games of the playoffs and russell westbrook really doesn't he just runs to the rim tries to draw foul he takes pull-up middies that you saw him airball at the end he doesn't He's not very efficient with them. Defenses want him to take those. And so usually so usually him playing bad the end and big playoff games, it's part choking, but a lot of it is just when teams play defense like that. I don't think he's the type of player that his game isn't really built to step up like that. And this game is another thing. I know he was hurt. He was coming off an injury or whatever, he had to get his rust off, or whatever, but it was he was just throwing the ball out of bounds. This wasn't like him. I don't just missing shots or even just like making wrong reads. Like he was just throwing terrible passes straight out of bounds, leaving his feet, just chucking it out. Like you can't. They now just want to say, "Oh, you you th- you think when he gets back, he should be back 100 percent, But he's got to shake off the rust. All right, so we he, he maybe isn't gonna score 28, 10, and eight, but. I, I think you could expect him not to just throw seven turnovers. He should, they were up, I think, 3-2 when he came. yeah. I don't know. They were just up 3-2. And his mentality has got to be, James Harden's been cooking. Just let me, let me just do, let me just go, go after it when I, off of him. When he, when he, when they lock him up and just let me find it, find it then. But, I but he, that's just not in his mindset. He's just going to go after it. Doesn't matter if it's the last possession, you know. Most players are just gonna make sure they get the ball to James Harden, but that's not his mentality. He's going. He's going 100 miles an hour, and he's trying to make something happen. He's not really thinking much about it. He's just going after it. And it's typical James Harden too. I mean, he's he's been a guy that's really choked in playoffs. This wasn't a choke, but this was. They're guarding me, so you do it. You know. I mean, it's. It's not it's not like something you should maybe kill him over because it's Russell Westbrook he's playing with, so he probably feels like he's another star. He should be, if they're putting all this attention on me, I should be able to trust him to create something. But him just coming off an injury, he's been throwing the ball out of bounds all game, like he's got a call for that. But at the end, all this doesn't matter if they come away with Game 7 tomorrow. I mean, they should definitely be able to you see you hear Chris Paul tom out, we just want a chance. That's not something someone that feels like they're better than them. Doesn't feel like someone that feels like they should win. The Rockets definitely feel like they're better. They are a better team, they're a better roster, but they just gotta they just gotta come through and play. PJ Tucker's been locking up. You just need James Harden to not have one of those game seven meltdowns that he's had in the past. And you just Hopefully, Eric Gordon can give him a couple threes. Covington's got a. They were just CP three was just surging him out, and he's a good defender. He made he made a great block on Stephen Adams during the game. He's a really good defender. It's just he's got to be able to hold his own on CP three a little bit. I mean, CP three had some tough shots on him, so hopefully, it won't for them next game. But I'm thinking the Rockets are still going to come away with it, and the game six, which. If the Thunder win, it'll be a legacy game for CP3. But if not, it's not going to matter. But if the Rockets lose, they're <sighs> talking about Dan- Tony's definitely out. Which, to me, I don't see how or why. I mean, it, I I believe it's going to happen because that's they haven't extended him. They got rid of his staff. Like, I don't know what the owner or the GM or Darren Morey, the GM's thinking with that because who else do you want? Like, are you going to change your whole philosophy? Cause it seems like this is your philosophy as the GM too. It seems like you guys are like the same, think the game the same way. And You th- you think at this point, James Harden's career, is just going to get into a whole nother style where he's moving off ball like Steph Curry or he's, yeah, he's just playing off ball, moving off ball like and not just going one-on-one for 20 seconds or just trying to get, get his and have everything run through him. I think at this point, he is who he is, and they're you just have to you just have to ride with this, regardless of what happens. If they get knocked out first round, I think maybe you trade Westbrook, but I don't think you can get rid of D'Antoni, who's who. This is his offense; no one else is gonna be able to do it like that. The only the only thing you I would probably try and do is say see if anyone wants Westbrook, but you've got to just ride this out. They got to a with this system with James Harden, they got to a game seven against the KD Warriors. They, they think of this Chris Paul who they don't have now but if he didn't get hurt they would have been able to maybe win go to the finals and then they probably would have won the finals so I think the 10 Tony coaching is enough to be able to win the finals I don't think they will because it's really hard to do but I don't think I don't think firing Tony would help and I think that good teams often take it for granted that it can get bad, and you see a lot of times teams that are perennial playoff teams, they fire their coach because they feel like they just need to do something, to try and get a championship, and then they end up not getting one, and then they just stop making the playoffs. They stop having the same success, so they just gotta keep running out regardless of what happens. Even though my, I hate this is one part of the podcast I don't like. I don't like how I want the I want the Thunder to win. I'm still a big fan of basketball. I I like I get into these games regardless if they're my team or not. I just have a team of players that I like more usually, and they're just what I want to win. And I want to see the Thunder win, but and I don't want to pick. I hate picking against the team I want. But with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, there's no way they shouldn't win. The system they've had for years. PG Tucker playing great defense. Eric Gordon hopefully can hit a couple threes. They should be able to win, so I got them it's at Game Seven, but hopefully I'm wrong and Thunder get it. All right, that's a good 36-minute chat on hoops. My throat's been hurting me, if you couldn't tell. My Ears are, like feeling a little weird, but I might share these with share this with y'all, and uh, I'll catch y'all later. My guess.